What are you rejecting yourself? What are you not accepting yourself for who you are? And as long as you don't accept yourself, you can't expect other people to. You know, so I don't think we really can ever be rejected, but that's a fear. Welcome to the Chai Chat Podcast. Solutions for empowered living. Engaging, educating, empowering. Each week, your host, Tarun Puri, author of Finding the Guru Within, and Steve Harvey, mindset mentor to A-list celebrities and stars, bring a combined expertise of over six decades in mentoring, coaching, and inspiring positive solutions to the negatives which keep us stuck and unhappy. With a focus on solutions versus problems, in each episode, they discuss topics relevant to the human condition, which challenge us from moving forward into positive growth and ultimate freedom. Through stream-of-consciousness unscripted dialogue and inquiry, they provide practical, deep, and actionable insights to support you in creating and living a happy, successful, fulfilled life. Join us each week and learn how to access your own inner GPS, your guru positioning system, which comes preset with all the solutions you need for empowered living. Living a life of ease versus effort is only a thought away. Let us show you what works and what doesn't. Hello and welcome to Chai Chat. I am Tarun Puri. And I'm Steve Harvey. And today we have a huge topic. I know I said that last time too, but this one is really huge, Steve. Today we're going to speak to fear, friend or foe. Yeah, I think it's a a very... um, uh, a very good topic for discussion because it seems to be in your face uh, wherever you go these days. There's so many people uh, seem to be living uh, with a great deal of fear. And, and so many people seem to be making decisions based on fear, um, you know, versus based on love, for example. So uh, it's, a, it's a, a very timely topic for discussion and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what unfolds today. I think our planet has basically been a planet of fearful individuals. I mean, I I look at the bigger picture again. You know how I love to look at the macro picture, the history, and, and I see that so much of what we have done has been motivated by fear. And hence, we're still, I think, in a huge mess in many areas, which had we realized that every time we fuel from fear, we're not going to have a loving outcome. Does that make sense? Or is that too? Yeah. No, no, it's true. Right? Like, like, Like if we're looking for a loving outcome, then how can the ingredients be comprised of fear? And so I've wondered in my own life growing up, my relationship with fear and whether I was doomed to be stuck forever with fears that I'd had or traumas that I'd had that had created fears? And was it going to be part of my life story? Or was there a way that I could actually change the story and therefore mm-hmm. change the outcome? Uh, yeah. So it's, 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 it's been a very interesting experience because I've lived on a few different continents and, you know, being born in Africa and being very young when I moved here to Canada 
And I had lots of opportunities for fear myself uh, because I was different. I was, a, I was a different color and I was, you know, into a country which had experienced that. So there was lots of bullying and, and many situations in which there was fear. Uh, and, uh, and it's interesting to look at how that shapes your behavior moving forward into life. And so now when I look at myself today, I'm not a fearful person. You know, I'm not governed by fears uh, uh, that would keep me from speaking up or speaking out. But it wasn't always like that. So I'm just very yeah. curious when we work with clients, you know, oftentimes we're getting to the core of what is the fear here? No matter what they're calling it, right? They may be talking yeah. about X, Y, or Z, but if we can work whatever situation they're dealing with, whatever feelings they're dealing with, back to the two roots that most feelings and emotions of the human consciousness come to, which is fear or love, then we can begin to assist because now we will know where the source is of that energy that has created the conflict, the despair, the depression, the anger, the resentment, um, and all the other things that accompany fear. Yeah, how do we prevent fear from controlling us? Because, you know, I think really there's, there's only two causes and that's uh, the thought of losing what you have and the thought of not getting what you want. Okay. So really what you're telling me is a loss of what we perceive to be control. Yeah. The illusion of control. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's a sticky subject because when I get into control mode, or when I see somebody else being into control mode or controlling behavior, guaranteed it's not coming from love. Yeah. Right? If I was to work it backwards, guaranteed that at the source, uh, the source code of that behavior would be in a fear. And look at, yeah. look at all the different ways that fear manifests. Insecurity. Yeah. Right? Um, uh, not belonging, yeah. non-acceptance. You know, we had a whole discussion around um, acceptance, uh, 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 the gift of acceptance. But when we look at how about our own acceptance, I think biologically, of course, we are programmed to be parts of uh, the tribe in the group. So uh, where we feel we don't belong. So let's put it the other way, rejection, abandonment, betrayal, isolation, mm -hmm. right, yeah. being alone. Uh, all these different ways that we have needs that are fueled from a place of fear. And when I think about it, when I really like to look at what is it that puts me into a mode of being controlling, whether it's a situation or controlling someone else um, or manipulating, if you want to use another word for it, um, it's because I'm running a fear program. But when I go behind that fear program and I go, well, why am I running this program in the first place? What is it that I really want? Do we ever ask ourselves that, you know? Right. So if I'm manipulative of you and if I'm trying to control something, I'm being, you know, extra nice to you or, you know, patronizing or whatever ways that I think I can gain favors or, you know, get you to like me. Okay, so I'm using controlling, manipulative, not authentic behavior. Uh, 
And when I peel back the layers and I go, well, I have a fear here. Um, and when I look at, well, why am I running this fear in the first place? And I go behind another layer, I see that what I'm really desiring, what I truly desire is connection. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for connection. I want to I want to connect with you. But for the various reasons in our upbringing that we're not uh, we're not taught that it's safe to be open, vulnerable, authentic. I just won't come up to you and say, hey, would you like to connect with me? Would you be my friend? Uh, you know, I feel that I can't do that because I could re- risk rejection hurt. See, in my mind, I've made up all these scenarios as to what could happen, might happen, won't happen. And of course, who am I anyways? And, and you know, would I yeah, even like be the, worthy? Like kid high school dance that sees a good looking girl across the other side yes. of the room and, yes. and runs all these stories about if he goes and asks her to dance, you know, she's going to reject him, she's going to laugh at him. And, and based on that story that he is creating in his mind. That's right. He stays standing put against the wall while everyone else goes over and dances with him. <laughs> That's right. And then he may create a situation, get a friend or get her friend into some kind of a dynamic to get to her. And you see all these games that we get into in order to get what we desire through controlling and not being authentic, not being honest, because it's fear-driven. Rather than take the risk, if you want, let's use that word, of just going up and say, hey, will you be my friend, right? And 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 if you say no, okay, let's go then. Let you say, well, okay, true, and that's really easy for you to say, but how many times can you take rejection, right? So we have to look at that, fear of rejection. Steve, what is rejection anyways? How do you see it? Well, Really, I don't think anyone can reject us. That's our job. Just like no one can accept us, that's our job. Mm-hmm. And I, I, we've spoke about it in past episodes now, but it's the gift of all our mirrors. What are you rejecting yourself? What are you not accepting yourself for who you are? And as long as you don't accept yourself, you can't expect other people to. You know, so I don't think we really can never be rejected, but that's a fear. And I think, you know, when we come back to it and look at, you know, what is fear? I think it's the assumption that you're about to experience in the future, either through your imagination or through your senses, more pain than pleasure, more drawbacks than benefits, more challenges than support, you know, more disadvantages than advantages. And, you know, it's it's really, it's a lopsided perception. You know, and the exact opposite of that is, you know, when, we, when we're living in the, the fantasy, uh, we, we think we're going to experience, again, in the future, through our imagination or our senses, um, more pleasure than pain, more support than challenge, more uh, advantages versus disadvantages, positives versus negatives. Again, it's just the flip side of the coin and they're both lopsided perceptions. So whether we're running the fear or the phobia or the fantasy or the, the philia, um, they're complementary opposites and they have to coexist. And when we can embrace them, when we can equilibrate our lopsided perceptions and bring them back into balance, then we can dissolve them and all that's left is love and gratitude. But we can't get there as long as we're running that story that it's, it's existing on its own, you know, and, and all emotions 
uh, are really, um, but bipolar, you know, there's both sides of the magnet. They have to coexist, you know. And so I think when we are infatuated about someone, we have a fantasy about them and we're attracted to them. But then what do we do? We fear losing them. <laughs> oh, right. That's right. You know? First, we fear getting them, uh, fear if we can get them. Let's say we get them, whatever that means. Yeah. Or they get they get us. And now we're, we have to hold on to them because we fear that. Right. Uh, so, again, they have to coexist. Every fantasy has got the phobia. <laughs> Every okay. fantasy is a fear, you know. And so um, thinking that they can exist on their own is the illusion. And so how can it serve us? You know, we, we spoke about, you know, the, the, the topic is fear, friend, or foe. Yes. When does fear become a friend? Exactly. You know? You know, and it can actually be a friend when it lets you understand that you're running a lopsided perception and that so therefore you can equilibrate them and find that balance and be left in a place of peace, you know, and, and coming from love versus allowing the fear to control you and then in, in, in turn you then start to try to control others. Exactly. Because it's a language. It's a exactly. language you're speaking. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because, well, and uh, we can accuse others of trying to control us. Isn't that interesting again when we look in the mirror, Yeah. right? But if we're really honest, I mean, as you said before, with rejection, if I'm fearing your rejection, then obviously some part of me has rejected myself. Obviously some part of me has not accepted myself and thought less of myself and has looked for my validation through you. So that's yeah, talk about giving... Yeah, you think right. the other person's opinion is more important than your own opinion. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, so I've given yeah. you the power to make me rejectable or not, right? It's like giving you one of those stamps, you know, that says reject, okay? Yeah. And and interestingly enough, as long as I found I keep on running that story, then I will constantly reinforce it. I will get first, second, third, fourth, fifth rejection in a row because it's how I feel. Right, And this is not about egotistically going on a superiority complex trip or some megalomaniac uh, constellation. It's just about recognizing one of the most fundamental truths of creation, which is that we are of spirit. We are soul consciousness. And as we're made of that, very same essence that we can loosely refer to as creator or creation or God or intelligence or nature, okay? Intrinsic to that, the material that we're made out of, intrinsic to that is our worth. In other words, our worth, our self-worth is intrinsic. It cannot be separated out. Just like you cannot separate out the scent of a rose from the rose. Yeah. Have you ever seen a rose? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen yeah. a rose wonder if it if it if it's smelling rosy enough? Right. Have you ever seen a rose be concerned that okay. you know Comparing will I be itself to, to another rose? Yes. Right? You know? Like it was said, a rose is a rose is a rose, is a right? Rose. Yeah. In all of nature, intrinsic 
um, to everything in nature are the qualities that nature has imbued. So I have found that one of the biggest errors we make that leads to a lot of fearful behavior gets tied to the concept of self-esteem. And it's a psychological term. And how many times, you know, can we work with a client or a friend or, or a family member and maybe we can build up their self-esteem, you know, after careful and very guarded practice and just for them to walk out the door and, and have the next person they run into say something about them, their weight, their hair, their uh, whatever. And how long does it take for that self-esteem to get deflated, Right. It's, it's on such a fragile um, shelf there, on the edge there, that it is very, very vulnerable to, to attack or to somehow be deflated. Uh, and whereas when it's your self-worth that you anchor to, I'm talking in my language, that's to your soul consciousness, the knowing that I am a peaceful, divine soul, a being of light whose sovereignty, whose, whose essence is more than enough. There, I've said the word. It's more than enough. Not even enough. It's more than enough. If I can anchor to that, I think most of my angst, my worry, uh, and all the fears and the derivatives of that would just simply dissipate with the light of that realization. So... What has your experience been? Uh, you have such a huge experience of working with, you know, everyday simple people like me. And then you have all those A-listers and those huge, very successful financially and uh, otherwise with their talents, you've worked across the world. Um, do they, do they, uh, I've been wanting to ask you this anyways, do they, they must feel like they're more than enough. I mean, they've got money, fame, fortune, nice cars, you know, um, everything I'd like to have, you know? So, I mean, they must obviously be uh, knowing. And I mean, the proof is there. Some of them have Oscars. Some of them have whatever, right? A fortune 500. I mean, whatever we consider to be an external validation. So honestly, tell me without names, it would be nice to have some names, but what has the observation been? Well, my observation has been that the most common topic of discussion is that I'm not enough. Which even in those circles. You, yeah. Even in those circles. And that's why I say there's no new thoughts. They're all recycled. It doesn't matter who it is. Most people are running the same stories. And, you know, they say you're only as good as your last match. You're only as good as your last Oscar. You're only as good as your last Grammy, you know. Um, but they still have the same insecurities. And as long as people look outside of themselves for validation, uh, it's, a, it's a recipe for disaster. You know, um, I once read in a book where someone said, I have 0% of my self-worth invested in whether you like me. And wow. I thought, wow, let me, what, let me just, what a place to be, you know? Wow, to have 0% of your self-worth invested in whether someone else likes you. Which that's is truly being centered in the self. That's truly 
acknowledging that you are a spirit and, and, and you're part of the divine. And how can the divine be anything less ever? Yeah. Like, it's like, like we're saying, hey, God, you did a good job with her. Not bad with him. But what were you thinking when you came to me? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know what? I think you need a break. But there are no mistakes in nature, you know, and everything is complete, whole, and perfect, and everyone is complete, whole, and perfect. And so we come along with that story, and based on that story that we innocently believe, we then start to believe the story that I'm not enough. And then what do we do? How do we live a life when we believe that story? How do we go out to try and prove our worth, you know? The manipulation, the controlaholism, trying to get people to see, to love and appreciate and understand me. And and accept the workaholism. Yeah. Look at the workaholism in order to be successful, right? Right. No one can accept you. That's your job. And no one can reject you. That's your job. You know, so it doesn't matter, you know, what walk of life people come from. Uh, It's the same stories. And that, that surprised me when I first started working in that arena because, um, you know, I was everyone else, you know, running the mm-hmm. infatuation. Um, sure. Some pretty big names. you realize that, yeah, yeah they're, they're not different, you know, and um, it's beautiful to have that then, to, to have that heartfelt connection with people that you're not putting them on the pedestal. Yes. Because let's face it, you know, they say there's some real big names, but, you know, if I was putting them on a pedestal, maximizing them relative to me, then why then would you, they ever listen to me? That's right. How that's could right. I ever support them and, and assist them on the journey? So instead of putting them on the pedestal, I've got to put them in my heart. And only oh. then can we can we be there for one another, you know? Um, and to see that whatever I can recognize in them Mm-hmm. No, for a fact that I've got it myself. I've got to own it and acknowledge it myself and then ask, how does it serve me? And how does it serve others? And how does it serve them that they're running the story that I'm not enough? What's the benefit in that? But as well, long as we see it as only as a drawback, as long as we see their fear of putting themselves out there, um, but as long as we only see that as a drawback without seeing the benefit, then they'll remain stuck. They'll never step out their comfort zone. And so many people have lived their life in that comfort zone. Or I want to call I, I to really live I, I to really it, live the life of their dreams. And I, I think, I, you know, that's that's the number one killer on earth is people not living their dreams. You know, well, I call death. it the, I really call it to be honest. The, the discomfort zone, but yeah. I stay in it because it's familiar, right. right? I mean, it's familiar, but it's really not. It's like when people say, "Well, I'm, I'm, you know, investing in my security," and I go, "No, you're not. You're investing in your insecurity, right?" Like, like let's let's look at our language and start using more honest words, right? Yeah. So, so really, okay. I, I think we've kind of hit on to a very core quality here yes there are many derivatives that we could talk about here with fear and the positives and the negatives and how worry is an aspect and 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 uh resentment and and competition and control and 
But really, I want to kind of go a little bit deeper and share with you. As we were talking here, I got reminded about some years back uh, uh, when we were running um, retreats. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is to have two-day, three-day, four-, five-day retreats. I love the intimacy of a retreat and that we can be in a place where we can um, be out of time, in a sense, and, and have not all our usual noise, chaos happening, so we can just be present. And I remember one of the retreats with uh, my um, co-facilitators, uh, Leanne and Maynard, and uh, uh, there was a lady, uh, and we were having some kind of a, I'm not even sure how it all got going, but fear came up. And this woman expressed how fearful she was in her life and how she felt so uh, stuck every time because she just couldn't seem to move forward. She was like stuck in this gear because at every angle, there was just fear and fear and fear. And so Maynard um, said, listen, why don't uh, you come into the middle of the circle and I will do a process with you. Let's investigate the fear because, you know, what do we call fear? False evidence appearing real, right? One thing, one thing fear really does not like, by the way, are facts, right? Like, and that's what you said earlier. We fantasize and we, we create these projections and this, our imagination goes wild, making up scenarios. You know, anything, 80% of what we worry about never occurs. That's been shown. Never happens. Yeah. Never happens. What a bad investment. Yeah. Okay, but back to my story. I, I shall try not to be too distracted. But so here we are. There's maybe 15 of us or whatever in this program. Uh, and um, we're using breathing, the breathing technique, uh, just to access the connected breathing technique that Leonard Ord had put out. And through that, some dialogue, some guided dialogue. And uh, <clears throat> we just had her go through touching in with all the images and feelings and thoughts that were connected to uh, what she considered were fears in her life. And what we would do is that we kept on asking her to go one more floor below. Think of it as a high rise, but actually it's a high rise that goes the other way. Yeah. It goes down into the ground 60 stories, right? Yeah. So we would just say, well, okay. Uh, okay, I understand that. And, you know, you might not get that job that you've always wanted in that career. Okay, or, uh, okay, so breathe into that. And what, what is behind that? And what is behind that? And what is behind that? And to make a long story short, uh, we were, it was very, very engaging just to see this unlayering of, of, of what was fueling this whole uh, uh, frustration and feeling of being stuck and not being able to really move in life. Being paralyzed by fear, I think, is a very real term, right? And uh, so ultimately, it's very, very interesting. There is a point where this person, I don't know if I wouldn't call it hit a wall or something happened and they became literally catatonic. Do you know what the word means? Catatonic, right? It's it's yeah. literally they froze up. They were all, they were lying down, and their arms were up in a certain position, and they just literally like froze up, and you could hardly hear them breathing. Now I'm sitting here with my legal background, going, "Oh, oh I don't think we did the waivers, <laughs> right?" <laughs> Once a lawyer, always a lawyer. Like, darn, we can't we can't lose it. You know, participant in a. And Maynard, being such a master with breath work and that, he said, don't worry, she's fine, people. Just hold the space, be, you know, just breathe and just hold the energy. She's now come face to face 
with her core fear. Yeah. And we're like, okay, <laughs> but I hope she moves soon because I, I can't even see her belly moving. I mean, we really got, she was literally frozen with her fear, with a core fear. And literally as we moved through this process and he facilitated, we got to the nub, got to the core. And it was identified by her and through Maynard and for everybody that ultimately there it was. The core fear fueling all of this in her life was that I am not enough and I will amount to nothing. Nothing. That I am nothing, that I don't matter. So my being here, not here, what I do, what I don't do, what I think, what I say, none of it. Basically, that I am nothing. And so that was such a deep fear that for quite a while, it, it literally paralyzed her. As we breathe through this and Maynard encouraged her to move through that feeling rather than fight it, right? Or try to mask it or try to prove it wrong. She came through it and whew, thank God we had an, a, still a living and breathing person. She warmed up, she came through it. And, she, and to see her at the end of this process was like somebody just did a huge makeover. All that tension, all that loss of color, all of, it was just gone and she just emerged. She started to flower. And then Maynard said, I wanna welcome you. And we said, to what Maynard? He said, I wanna welcome you to our fear of nothing club, okay? Our fear of nothing club. And the irony was just there because all this time in her life, she had suffered, she had despair, depression, she had anxiety, uh, she had breakup, she had uh, fights, you know, all the stuff, the struggles we go through. And it was all because of nothing. And I thought that was so powerful that Ultimately, when we get to the core of it, like looking at the facts, ultimately, Steve, what we learned at that time was it's really nothing, right? That, that, that in a sense, it's, it's kind of ironic. And of course, because she had disconnected from the knowing that her worth is part and parcel and endemic and intrinsic to her being, and it can never be taken by anyone ever. Who you are is complete, whole and perfect, you know, but it's like we keep projecting those movies of our mind out there into reality. You know, can you imagine if you were in the movie theater and you're watching a, you know, a, a real tearjerker movie and you're in the audience and you're, the tears are streaming down your face, but you get up and you walk down to the, the front of the movie theater and you go right up to the screen and you're like, you can't talk to those people. They don't hear you. They, you know, they don't even exist. It's just light yes. flicking away. Yes. You know, so, yes. And yet, when you were sitting at the back in the, at the theater, it was so real in our mind. And yet, and that's what we do with everyday life. We create a story about it, and we innocently believe those stories. We think they're facts, but they're not. It's, and so when you investigate the story, the fear lets go of you because the fact is what comes up. It's the truth which comes through. And you ask yourself, you know, 
you said before about the, the feet of dogs, right? Yes. And, um, yes. You know, we have an experience with a, a, a dog that, that comes charging at the fence as we're walking by and it scares the living daylights out of us. And uh, every every time we pass a fence where there's a dog there, we start playing that movie in our mind again. That's right. From the from the past, we project it right into the present moment. And then, we, again, we assume that there's, there's going to be, in the future, more pain than pleasure. That this dog is going to do what the dog in the past did. And we start creating that story in our mind. And we know that, you know, from our work together, that thoughts create disturbance in the energy system, which determines how you feel, which determines the the actions you take or don't take, you know, frozen on the spot, which determines the results you get. And sadly enough, we keep playing those same movies in our mind and we keep having that disturbance in the body's energy system. And so it keeps playing out again and again and again. Every time we see a dog, boom, we play that movie. And, and so, it's a broadcast, Steve. It's like I'm right. when I'm thinking, when I'm at the top of the street and there's a dog at the last house, right? If I start projecting this fear of this fierce dog and I might get bit or attacked or chased, that dog can smell it yeah. and will, will actually match that energy. Okay. And it's yeah. and I've seen that play out. As opposed to if I own my space and I, you know, walk down that street very much in sovereignty and ownership and not running the fear program. I'm not that same dog. In, let's put it another way: that same dog will react differently to two people. Mm-hmm. So, so is it the dog that's fearful that that is intrinsically an icon of fear, or is it what I am expecting to experience that the dog is just yeah. gifting me back, right? And so, when I change yeah. my story and my energy, when I transform that, fear, yeah, right. And then I could even change that into actually love or, 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 you know, okay, maybe for some people who have that fear, it might take time, but I can actually become a lover of the dogs because when I put out that energy, the dog will put that back, right? They're responding to what they're feeling and sensing. So yeah. you're right. Why would I have a trauma way back and then keep on playing it and repeating it and live a life of fear? Okay. And look at it sometimes when you know, as entrepreneurs, I mean, we take hits. We take hits all the time. And if we remained fearful, we would never, you know, step into the office again, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like, why would I? Because, oh, my gosh, right? So there's something in you that says, and I guess that's where that courage, if you want to look at it that way, courage is a quality of the soul. And we can summon the gift of courage, you see? See, yeah. I think, again, going right back to our core theme in resetting is to recognize that there is an inner authority that is so well equipped to govern and guide us. Because I can just hear it now as we were talking and what you were saying there sounded good, but I don't know if it was idealistic. Like, look at the facts. Our world is in shambles right now, okay? You know, there are a lot of people, um, you know, afraid for their survival. I mean, they're afraid where the next meals coming from you know everything has been fragmented so you're trying to tell me now that they shouldn't be in fear 
Well, again, the reason they're in fear is because they're running the lopsided perception that there's more drawbacks than benefits. But okay. every event has got an equal benefit and drawback, including the present moment that we're in. What's going on in the world right now? What is the benefits? You know, we've spoke about before, you know, that there's been lots of people have lost their jobs, but they've lost jobs that they absolutely detested going to yes. work on a Monday morning. And they hated the fact that they were spending so much time away from home, away from their family. And what have they done? They've now opened their own home-based business where they get to love what they're doing, work with people they love to work with, and they get to spend more time with their family. And so it took the event of, you know, what's going on in the present moment to birth that new venture. But as long as we see that it's nothing but a drawback, that shuts down our energy and we can't even create the new venture because we're stuck mm -hmm. on the blame game and the victimhood mentality that out there is, oh, it's terrible. It's all drawbacks without benefits. It's all disadvantages without advantages. And I say that's that's the cause of all our suffering. When we run the lopsided perception, it in turn ends up running us. But when we're able to balance our lopsided perceptions, we then come from a place of love and gratitude. And from that place, we can tap into that creative energy within us to birth something new. So, so you're, I, really I, talking, you're talking here about replacing the fear maybe with another F word, um, which is faith, <laughs> right? Like, like, so what I'm hearing here is that where has our faith gone, right? Where, where is it that we're so quick to throw the baby out with the bathwater? So life around us has changed. And I guess we know in nature that storms happen, earthquakes happen, fires happen. Does the forest sit in fear, okay? And does it go into depression or or does it lose faith? Or does it know somehow that out of that whole process will be an amazing regeneration, right? A renewal, if you will. Mm -hmm. So what keeps us from... Looking at this whole situation now, in other words, I'm trying to translate into a little bit more of a practical as an opportunity for renewal. And if I if I take that journey without distance, which is just for a moment, instead of looking out there, look in here and ask my inner guru from a place of faith to have my safety looked after, to have my needs looked after. Uh, what might be the outcome of that? And, and, and just to sort of finish off that thought is that here's what's interesting. I fall into the trap. I, I've, I will suddenly get a wave of fear, hit me out of nowhere. And I'm like, whoa, what's that falling yucky feeling? Or why am I feeling extra this or that today? But when I take a moment and talk about facts, when I do a review of my life, and the myriad of times in which there was worry and things weren't going my ways and things went sideways and, and upside down and inside out and it involved people, it involved money, it, whatever, okay? Somehow, I was always brought through it. Somehow, the support always showed up, whether it's money or food or time or energy or whatever it was. 
So I have this tremendous amount of evidence, if you will, that over the last so many decades of my, you know, young life, as it is, I've got to get those in sometime. After, after all those decades that all that I worried about never really, you know, got the better of me, that somehow I'm still here, looked after well, right? And yet the fear still wants to run. So I, I hear what you're saying, that somehow, um, I mean, I understand that the positive part of fear in the human consciousness is, and it's what the ego oversees, is what I call the uh, intelligence, planetary intelligence. We are souls. We are eternal beings. We don't live or die. A death is just a change of scene, costume scene, and then on we continue with the story on another stage maybe down the street, okay? So if I'm, when I become so identified with my eternal um, being, then that part of me, that consciousness is not concerned about crossing the street and looking both ways, but there's an appropriate fear that the ego generates when there's a Mack truck coming my way. Right. Yeah. Because I am limited in time or space. So within the appropriate context, the fear can bring about awareness. That's how I see it. It brings about an awareness and brings me to a point of assessing what's the appropriate action rather than a reaction, which if, I, if I'm in fear, how I know it's not awareness and more fear is that the fear immediately puts me into reaction in which I give my power away. Okay. Whereas if I can have a fear come up and it can transmute into an awareness, then I can choose an appropriate action, which may be to run across the street or not cross it or or cross the street or whatever it is that that would be helpful. See, so it's not that sometimes we're not going to be vigilant and we're just we're not going to walk around like we're in Shangri-La and everything is wonderful. I think that's that's not the point. Uh, but yeah. the minute, the, but, and, and the interesting thing is, well, fear is designed to help you escape. Sometimes it gives you that energy and sometimes it paralyzes you. So, yeah, I think, you know, the secret is when you find yourself afraid is to go within and find what is the core belief and ask yourself, is it true that I need to be fearful in this situation? Mm-hmm. You know, and to say what's actually happening right now physically, you know, where in my body do I feel this fear in my hands, my legs, my head? And what do I see? You know, what's the image I'm creating in my mind when I'm experiencing that fear? But really to go into the story and ask yourself, is it true that I need to choose to be afraid in this situation? It's interesting. Hey, choose to be afraid. And sometimes we're compelled by our past and our stories. You know, I, I talk about the, our many, many me's, which are all those parts of us that had experiences yeah. at different ages uh, that are out of context with where we are now. But something happened to me at tw when I was 12. And if I'm running a fear every time I walk down that street around that corner, right, that means that that 12-year-old, that file has never been brought to, neutralize, to be neutralized for the charge to be taken away. To, yeah. to be to be completed. So an inquiry is what you're saying can lead us to see where this is being fueled from and is it in alignment with where we are today? Fair enough? Exactly. 
Okay, it's about taking the charge away, but not taking the memory away. Okay, good. Because you people see? will say to you, I have legitimate reasons. I live on the south side of Chicago, right now, like, hello. So I'm it's not Glasgow. Like you're, <laughs> yes, and then there's Glasgow. Okay, you guys can duke it out. Yeah. But, but the point is that, can we take our experiences, look at what charge they're holding, and can we now bring that charge back to neutral so that it can become a neutral memory, so that the memory can go back into the files, but that energy is now not um, pulling the strings out of sync and out of alignment. You know, even when a certain fear required a certain behavior at a certain time, you have grown, you have changed, the world has changed, and it may not be appropriate anymore, right? Exactly. And so, and so, sometimes a lot of times we're so out of alignment in our own behavior because we have so many aspects and and fragmented parts of our psyche that we haven't uh, resolved. And they're not trying to harm us; they're just trying to guide us from what they know. So, so therefore. You know, we get misalignments and, and maybe we behave in a way that then brings on the very thing that we're fearing, like rejection, right? Right. If, I, if yeah. I'm acting immature and, you know, if I'm a 50-year-old acting like a 15-year-old, then, you know, and then I get beat up for it. Well, then, you know, instead of pointing at the other person, look at myself and go, what is it? What is it in within me that is maybe fueling this? And without blame, just accountability. I can look and go, oh, my gosh, I'm behaving like a 15-year-old in a 50-year-old's body. How inappropriate, right? My good friend Wolfgang Sonnenberg, who is going to be a guest on our Yes, I can hardly wait. Hardly wait. um, We discussed this once before in his home in Switzerland, and we were talking about fear and how it prevents people from taking action. And, And he would always say, so what is your wished outcome? Yes, what, what if you focused on your wished outcome versus focusing on the fear of what may or may not happen? But instead to shift that and say, what's my wished outcome? And focus mm. on that. You know? And mm. as you said earlier on, the fear is nothing but false evidence appearing real. Appearing real, right? And that, that, yes. And that's yes. what keeps you stuck. But if you were to focus on what is my wished outcome? Okay. Let's go there. What is my wished outcome? So really, I am opening to what I'd like to see. Is yeah. Right? As yeah. opposed to closing off because I'm afraid that. Right. And the fear, again, is just the thought that we're innocent believing in. I mean, I think there's no better way to scare yourself to death than believing untrue thoughts. <laughs> it's a scary yeah. place to live, you know. So we come back and we investigate that those thoughts and say, is it true? Can I absolutely know that without a doubt? What's my proof? You know, the dog 12 years ago, and now I see another dog as I'm walking down the street, can I absolutely know without a, do- a doubt that that dog is going to run after me and bark at me the way the dog did 12 years ago? Exactly. No. But how does it make me feel when I believe that story or that lie? Scared, terrified. Yes, of course. And as you yeah. said, then the dog can smell it a mile away. And then how does the dog react? 
it brings up fear in the dog that there's danger, right? right? Right. And so who would you be without that thought walking down the street? And let's bring it a bit closer to home. So when we enter a relationship, we're back to that topic. Yeah. With with fear. So first of all, I fear whether, um, you know, the other's going to want me or not or like me. And let's say, you know, okay, so it gets resolved that they want to be with you. Then my, And then what happens? Because there's fear running. Then the next fear comes into place, right? Which is... Then they're going to leave you. <laughs> yes. Right. Am I going to lose them? They're going to leave me. They're going to not. They may. They're going to realize they made a bad decision, and 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 so fear begets fear. And I think this is where you know it's a good maybe it's a good time to talk about you know having a mindfulness practice. You know, so okay. what does that do? You know, yes, it reminds us of the of all that's possible to be here and here and now, right? And that. When we're practicing mindfulness, breathing, for example, and meditation in the here and now, there is no fear. Yes, it can't. It cannot be present in the present. No. Uh, it, it just can't. It, it, fear is a projection from the past into the future. Usually. Exactly. That's, uh, exactly. Yeah, and it means that I ask a person, so where are you when you're running the fear program? You're not even here. And when I'm not here, I'm powerless because my solutions are in the here and now because spirit creates in the present. Right. It doesn't know the past or future. Yeah. Right. So the mind. That's where most, that's where yes. most people spend their life living in the past or the future mm-hmm. and, and they're not present. And, you know, we, we both know that the present moment is a present. <laughs> it's a yeah, gift. the presence, the present of the presence. Yeah. And so when we can remember to be mindful and just step and you know when you feel that there's you're in a state of fear or anxiety or whatever just stop and focus on breathing in and breathing out be mindful of the breath entering and leaving your body and in that moment those fearful thoughts will just start to dissipate because the first thing that changes when we have a fearful thought is our breath yeah we go And I stop yeah. breathing, right? It's like, okay, and you know what so, happens when you stop breathing? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it can be detrimental to the health. I've, I've heard that, yeah. you know, it's not recommended. Breathing is not optional. Um, so if I, <laughs> if I go in and I actually approach it from a very practical manner of saying, okay, I'm going to change my breathing for a minute or two. And then I'm going to revisit that thought and see how much of a charge it holds for me or that situation or that person or what that person said they would do or not do. Or So again, I, I, I want to be very clear here. Sometimes there is a clear and present danger. It's just that for us to be able to assess the situation from a centered and grounded place and choose to act and not react is where empowerment and solutions are. Okay, Um, it's not again, I want to kind of go back to my martial arts because a martial artist to be effective cannot be in fear. They have to in split second be able to assess what's happening, what's coming and how to respond to it. You see, and to do that, they need to be centered and grounded and have faith in that their ability. Right. So so it's a not the same in business. 
you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. If you're doing something and you're not, you may be in the learning process. You may be this good today. You might be that good tomorrow. And, and you have better days and worse days, but without having faith in your ability and trust that you will know how to respond depending on what's coming at you. Okay. Uh, then, then what's the point? Because it's when, again, I if I go into the fear of the attacker, I freeze up. You know, I may be a second and a half too late. And that can make all the difference between life and death. Mm-hmm. So, so for us to be able to respond instantaneously in, 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 at the level of mastery means we have to be totally present regardless of what's going on. And being in totally present, we have a 360 awareness. See, it's not a limited focus because focus sometimes is a dangerous word. It's like these blinders, right? And instead, when I'm centered and grounded, and every morning I take a few minutes in a mindfulness practice and I center myself and I ground myself and I ask myself, what thoughts, what feelings, what fears, what resentments, what stories are taking me out of my center, right? Like, as a practical approach, it's not that I'm going to say, okay, from today on, Steve, I've got it, no more fears. I, I don't have a lot of control over that. But, but if, I can, if I, can, I can breathe and center myself and ground myself, okay, and, 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 and breathe in the fear rather than try not to feel it, I think actually feeling is healing. Sometimes I go, let me just feel it fully, take the message that it has to deliver to me, and then thank it and let it be on its way. See, because once I've received its message, I can decide what to do with it. And, and, and it's amazing that I'm always reminded of the greatest thing we learn in martial arts is the deflection. And the deflection is just such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful tool because you're kind of sitting here and it doesn't matter how small or big the threat is or how much velocity is coming at you with. Regardless, you use the same amount of energy. You don't engage with it. You don't, of course, you don't deny it because when you argue with what is, you lose and you're going to have fist-in-the-face syndrome, right? So you acknowledge it, you assess it, and then with the most minimal amount of energy, you literally take your finger and just literally tap, just move, slightly and just tap lightly as ever and what will happen is the very momentum of the fearful event coming at you simply gets redirected and you don't even skip a beat that's the mastery that we aim for so again in business in our lives in our relationships instead of allowing that energy of fear to consume and freeze us and then we're going to struggle with it and we go into engaging and we go into trying to control it and we try to manipulate it and, you know, make it go away or somehow do battle. And, and how is it working? Right. What is the cost of that? You might win once, twice, three times, but at what cost? There is an easier way. It's called observe, be present, have awareness and whatever's coming at you. Just learn to use the minimum amount of energy and just calmly deflect it. 
neutral. And, and again, a simple way of deflecting is by inquiry. Investigate the story, you know. And, exactly, and, yes. And coming from that place, and I love it, no matter what it is, just to simply say, I love it. So that's you the know, thank you. Be, yeah, we could be working on a project and all of a sudden the computer crashes <laughs> and we go into that reactive mode and fear, yes. oh, no, I'm going to lose the contract because I've been working on this project and now it's collapsed. Or we could say, what could be good about this situation? Right. Okay. And, wow, maybe I get to learn something about computers that I never knew before. And maybe I, in the process of rewriting the 10 pages that I'd already written, I actually write something far better than it whatever was before. Uh, that opens up to even more contracts. We just never know. But as long as we come from whatever's happening is nothing but drawbacks without benefits, then that, that ends up running us. But when we can find the gift in every situation, what's the benefit to this? Okay, what could be good about it? Okay, and right there we start that different creative process of coming up with new ideas and maybe 10 times better than the one before. I mean, how many times have you heard songwriters talking about, you know, this was the 10th version of the song? Yes. You know, yes. how it ended up was nothing, you know, what it, how it, what began. it was like. Sure. Yeah. You know, and, you know, maybe one is person and a member of the band is the main singer-songwriter and comes up with a few lines and shares them with the rest of the bandmates and they go, hmm, no. And then the guitarist says, well, maybe we try this. And the keyboard player says, well, what if we added this? And then bass player says, but we should add this rift in here. And then a drummer comes along. Before you know it, they've got a number one hit record. But it was nothing like what started out. You know, and so, 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 we, so if I was protective or controlling or fearful of this is my song, right. and I don't want anybody, right, changing it, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we have to be open to what is. That's know, right. And let go, and to let go of our stranglehold on we think what should happen versus what yes. could happen. That's right. See? Yeah, Re replace the should with the could, and the the gift of wonder comes through. Yeah. You know, I love that gift of wonder in our gift card deck because it opens the door to. Uh, and here's the famous one line again from Maynard. Um, regardless of what happens and what the good, how good or bad the news is, uh, anytime you would call up Maynard, I might have shared this before. I'm sharing it again. I'd say, oh, you can't believe what happened. This stock just crashed and I was relying on this for that. And now I can't this and I don't know what I'm going to do. And, you know, looking for some sympathy. And he would just sit back and say, you know what? I wonder for what this may be good. Yeah. yeah. See, I wonder for what this may be good. And I think that beautifully encapsulates what we're trying to say here is that, of course, acknowledge something when it's happening. We're not saying, and it may be a negative. Okay, I'll give you that. But it doesn't mean you have to become the negative. And if it brings up, puts your, you know, puts your back up, Acknowledge that it puts your back up, okay? And then ask the question, I wonder for what this may be good. And 
you may not have an immediate answer or something may come through you in a dream or something gets said or done. But what you've done is you've opened yourself up to inquiry and to be supported. And, 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 and when I put that question out, I wonder for what this may be good. My, my inner guru is listening and going, oh, oh, really? Well, oh, nice. well, since you're wondering, let me, let me, let me show you. Okay? Yeah. And, and I, I think at the core of all of this, Steve, is really the, in the human consciousness, we have this need to really need to know everything all the time and be in control. I mean, this is the conclusion that I'm coming to here. And it's that, that need to be in control, which is tied to my sense of survival. I, I mean, it's mm -hmm. become almost like if I don't know, I won't survive, which means I've identified myself to the human consciousness, which is limited in time and space. Yeah. And I have forgotten that whether I know or not know, it's not indicative of the survival of who I am. Because I'm already complete and whole. Okay? So, so it's almost like a need to collect, gather, whether it's knowledge or information or books or music or whatever it is. We tend to want to almost own and gather and collect to feel like somehow that we're someone or that we have some kind of say in our lives. Whereas we learned very early on when I was taking my training in energetics and spirituality, the teacher said something very interesting one day. They said, you know, people go on this spiritual quest and they're really trying to uh, value something by how much more they are getting. So let's say there's a weekend seminar and... Um, I promise that if you pay me $10,000, I'll give you 600 new things for your spiritual growth. And you think, well, that's, let's see, 600 into 10,000 per technique. Uh, that's a pretty good value. I think I'll go there because I'm going to get all of this. You see, again, this greed, this need, right? And the teacher said, and really, actually, spirituality and spiritual growth is the opposite. It's not about accumulating or learning more or getting more or knowing more, it's about shedding. It's literally about shedding mm -hmm. the layers and layers and layers of that which we are not. And in my book, I talk about that principle, which is called neti neti, means not this, not this. So one way to get to enlightenment or to know who you are is to learn who you're not. And I think that's what we're doing on this planet sometimes. We're having an experience and we're realizing the limitations of that experience and how I thought it was going to liberate me, but instead it has limited me. Okay, so then I can go, okay, not this, not this. I'm going to shut that path off, say thank you for the memories, you know, and, and send out the postcard. And then I'll go down this path. Right, so I, I really feel that true spiritual growth and, and being in alignment with getting to that place of peace and happiness and and all those transpersonal qualities is in the shedding and letting go of what has become our identity. And then we become attached to that. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, that's why we look around what's going on in the world right now. And we see so many people struggling with that because yes, they, have become, they have become attached 
to the job title or the the income or the you know the two cars, whatever it may be. And Their identities. Maybe, yes. Maybe maybe that's now gone. Yeah. And they're now asking themselves, "Well, who am I?" There's the question. There's the you question. Know? Uh, and so this is where you see the the struggle, and other people just say, you know, well, I'm I'm not my job title. Yes. I'm not my bank account. I'm not my, you know, two cars in the garage. Who I am is complete, whole, and perfect. And I don't need all that stuff to determine who I am. See. And from that place, we can we can as a collective. When we start to wake up to that, we transform our societies. Yeah. So maybe a revisiting of values is what's taking mm. place in this great reset. Yes. And I think I think that's a great positive, uh, a wonderful benefit of the great reset is that we're getting to revisit our values and reorder them and take time to be present with ourselves and assess where is this gift of life most um, valuably invested. Mm -hmm. And yes, that means, as the guys always said, first things need to fall apart in order for them to come together again in a better picture. So sometimes when I go, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Everything's falling apart. They go, great. Because they need to fall apart so that we can reconfigure and create something even better. And why not? So and I that's think a that cycle really, of life and death, isn't it? You know? it's, there you go. These are cycles of creation. All of nature does it. And why are we fighting cycles? Right? Like you said, why are we so lopsided? For every summer, there's a winter, at least where I live. Right? Yeah. So, so it's very interesting to observe and note. And how can you imagine if we synchronize with the cycles of nature? So just to wrap yeah. up, then I think that our question of fear, friend, or foe, I think can be um, slightly um, reworded to fear, friend, and foe. Yeah. Does that, is, that, is that fair? At times it's very appropriate within a context, and at times it's not. And we have the ability to choose. Am I going to run the fear right. program like I always have, or am I going to try something different? Yeah. And to remember that reality is always kinder than our story, but only a hundred percent of the time. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's I want to I want to leave it at that. I think that's a beautiful line yeah. to to end our very uh preliminary discussion on a huge topic <laughs> and I really look forward again to um, feedback stories, ideas from our listeners look forward to connecting in some forums down the road so we can have deeper and richer discussions and uh, and learn from each other and I'm really looking forward to having um, uh, our friend Wolfgang come in and give us a few insights also uh, on some yeah, cool too. I'm looking forward to it wonderful so once again, thank you, Steve, and uh, Thanks, we'll catch you on the on the next time around. So let me give you a namaste. Namaste. <laughs> Take care. Take care. Bye bye. 
trust you found practical value in this podcast and will enthusiastically share it with others in your circle. And if you are so moved, leave us a review or write a post on social tagging hashtag Chai Chat Podcast, and we will show our appreciation. Promise. Tarun Puri and Steve Harvey welcome you to join us for a Chai Chat at all of our live events and more. Connect with us with your questions, topic suggestions, and reviews at info at chaichatpodcast.com.